As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am your co-host, Luke Bogacki. I am not joined, as usual, by uh, Big Jed, Jared Pennington, this week. Uh, Jed will be back next week. Apologies to our live audience. Uh, this show is not streaming live on the Sportsman Drag Racing uh, Podcast Facebook page. That will also uh, return again next week. No Jed this week. He is uh, has a busy week at work and getting ready for the Great American Dream Team Challenge in uh, Holly Springs, Mississippi. I'm sure he will have a full report on that event in our next episode next week. What we do have for you today, uh, a sit-down interview with Rex Simmermaker. Now that name may sound familiar. He has been on the show before. Uh, Rex is the host or now co-host of the Fast Brackets podcast. If you are a listener there, you're very familiar with Rex. Rex is also the CEO of Win Light Bets, a, uh, a company that has kind of burst onto the scene, I think is very much in the awareness of most of us now um, within and surrounding sportsman drag racing. And Kind of a fascinating conversation. Rex is a is a thoughtful guy um, who's embarked on a on a massive journey. Like I can only imagine the undertaking of trying to get this thing started and rolling, and all of the challenges that he's facing. But the opportunity is huge. And um, what we discussed was how the the nature of, or maybe the uh, the narrative around sports gambling and and gam gambling gaming in general how much that has changed how dramatically that has changed in our lifetime right and and specifically maybe in the last decade or two and how that has potentially opened the door for something like win light bets we talked a little bit about the app that rex and his team has created what that looks like now and what his vision for it uh, moving forward is 
and how the, some of the opportunities perhaps created within and around our sport, our niche of this sport by gaming or specifically something like when light bets, like I say, Rex, uh, talented, thoughtful dude, a uh, pretty fascinating conversation. I think you will enjoy it. Um, just as a quick side note, uh, before we get into the interview with Rex, as I'm recording, uh, Spring Fling Bristol entries opened, uh, and three minutes later, entries closed. They sold out 425 spots in three minutes. And um, part of the the wrinkle on that particular event was it was a true single entry only, right? One car, one driver, one shot, no doubles of, of any sort. And um, and it sold out. And so the question, and Jed and I, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this next week and, and perhaps debate it. The question becomes, is is the tide changing? Like, is the single entry format going to come back into vogue? Is that part of the reason for this demand? Or is this simply the, the market that maybe big dollar bracket racing in general, but I think specifically Peter Biondo and the fling team have, I think, rightfully created, like I'm of the opinion that they could throw out just about any format at this point, and it's going to sell out almost immediately. That is the the trust, the reputation that I, I think, by and large, they have earned. Um, but inter- I would love to think that it's uh, it's also a result of the single entry thing. I, I tend to, to believe that I'm in the minority there. I would love to see more races like that. But again, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a common belief. And I don't know that, that this... Um, tremendous you know quick sellout is necessarily the result of the race format but again that may be something that jed and i dig a little bit deeper into next week obviously as i mentioned before we will dive into uh the great american dream team challenge and uh, and jed and his team bad guys we'll see how this weekend goes i'm sure he will have a lot to say about it we'll also touch on nhra's return to chicago illinois for the Route 66 NHRA Nationals. First time that that event has happened in that facility and I believe four seasons. So that'll be great to get back there. We will revisit that as well as all the news that is news on next week's show. Stay tuned for the live version of that. Uh, check out the Sportsman Drag Racing Facebook page for details on that. Look forward to Jed and I back in the same place recording next week. But again, for now, here is Rex Simmermaker of Win Light Bets. All right, joined today by the CEO of Win Light Bets, Rex Simmermaker. Rex, you have been on the road. I guess the term would be introducing Win Light Bets to a pretty broad audience, building your brand. You've been to big dollar bracket races. You've been to NHRA national events. You've been to PDRA events. You've been to uh, various organizations, uh, it, basically every facet of drag racing. My assumption is that that's very much by design as you introduce what you've built in our building. Yeah, absolutely. Our business plan says that we're going to be at um, a major event for every association this year. So we can introduce Winlight Bets to all forms of drag racing fans, right? And some follow uh, bracket racing, like, you know, the folks on your show. Uh, but there's also, you know, a lot of pro mod fans out there and there's, uh, radial fans out there. So we've, 
And then, and then of course, the, the NHRA national event stuff. So uh, we're trying to get to all of those. I think we've done a pretty good job so far, but but this is just the beginning. We've got plenty of summer and plenty of road yet to cover, Luke. Your program, your your vision is very much in its infancy with, with When Light's Best, at least from a public-facing standpoint. I think it's fair to assume at this point that that most of our listeners are at least somewhat familiar with when light bets and and what you do and what you're what you're trying to eventually do. As our listeners would probably know, I have fallen somewhere between advocating for uh, something like when light bets and simply proclaiming that gambling involvement in our sport at some point is is inevitable for several years. Right. My argument for gambling in our sport is that it's a potential avenue to bring in revenue from sources that are not limited to the traditional sources. It would, you know, traditionally for our form of racing revenue comes from racers in terms of entry fees and from spectators or or fans in terms of, of spectator fees. Right. But that's a really broad outlook. It casts a very wide net. I'm curious your vision behind developing and implementing when light bets. Yeah, so th- this is um, this is really how it started. So I host the podcast, Fast Brackets Podcast. You you've been nice and have enough to have me on um, in that capacity before talking about top sportsman, top dragster. And what happened was I would ask our our interviewees at the end of every you know uh, at the end of the question segment, I would say, hey, name one thing you think would be really good for our sport. You know, one thing we could do to make our sport better. And that was kind of a standard question for over a year. And everybody answered with a version of the same thing, which was we need more money in the sport. You know, and it, it you know, and some people say it's, it needs to be more contingency and some people would say it needs to be more prize money or, you know, whatever it might be. But it was always a version of we, we need more money in our sport. And so that got my wheels turning. And from the standpoint that we can't always go back to the well, I mean, uh, you know, like for instance, Jegs has been a huge supporter of our sport for a long, long time. And, but how often can we ask them to sponsor events and spot, you know, things like that. And so from my standpoint, and, you know, I spent 20 years in corporate banking, Luke, as, as you know, um, I hated the last 19 years of that. So I was ready to get out. Um, and so it got my wheels spinning a little bit just from hearing this question over and over answered in the same way. And so when, you know, when it was brought to my attention that the government ultimately got out of the business of regulating sports books and they pushed all that to the States with the passing of PASPA, it, it just triggered something to me that said, Hey, this is a big opportunity. And, to your point, it allows for funds to come into our sport that aren't already in our sport. You take the average sports better, and I'm we've we've kind of on this roadshow made a conscious decision to stop at casinos along the way, um, just primarily because there's always plenty of parking, so you can go in and you could park, and then you know if you want to, you can always get food right? Probably a, a beer if you want to, if you've been on the road a long day, right? But if, um, and then you can get a variety and, you know, whatever it might be. So, but as I'm in there and I'm talking to people, people see the the shirts and they go, win light bets, what is that? And you tell them and they go, oh my goodness, I, I know nothing about drag racing. 
I would love that because I'm going to get, I can go and make a bet and get paid out in the next 45 seconds. Yes. And so like, we know we're onto something from that standpoint that people that aren't already involved with drag racing are interested and, and they're really pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, I've just spent the last week, um, in New York for what's called the sports betting conference. And you explain to what I would call average people that are, you know, driving Hondas to work every day and things like that, that, you know, you explain to them that we're driving 2000 horsepower cars and we're going zero to, you know, uh, 200 miles an hour in six and a half seconds and things of that nature. And their minds are absolutely blown. Right. And so they're interested uh, because they just don't know. So, so we know that there's an opportunity to bring in ancillary revenue. Uh, what that means is if you're a track operator, you, you're, well, all of us are familiar with at least one track operator that works his tail off, is um, just struggling to make everything work. And at the same time is being pressured into selling the property so somebody can turn it into an apartment complex or an industrial park or just farmland again. And so you, you may pressure. have one track operator in mind. This sounds like 90% of track operators that I've talked with. <laughs> right? Yeah. They just go, I love the sport. I want it to do well. How long can I do this? And in, in, in good conscience, you know, like not, not be hurting my family or whatever, you know, because th those are big paydays because we have large pieces of property. So they're, they're valuable, but they're not nearly as valuable as if they were, if they were revenue centers. So, I mean, we have almost, I think the last count is over 400 drag strips active in the U S if we turned those into casinos, essentially for all essential purposes, right? If we allowed sports betting to happen on those properties and we can regulate it right. And the average track operator, you know, like you're familiar with I-57, and they do actually do a better job than most of getting fans in the stands for a bracket race. But if they get 300 on a Saturday night and that becomes 600 for them, that's a big deal every Saturday night. And that changes the game for them. And it changes the game for us because it allows them to pay bigger purses and it allows them to uh, have nicer facilities, which means those fans go away and they say, hey, it was a pretty good time and the, the facility was nice. And so then they bring their friends and we start this upward movement that way. And then those same track operators go, why would I sell this? This thing is going to be more valuable next year than it is this year. And the, the whole thing gets turned around. Additionally, we don't, you know, I, I'm a bracket racer. I'm not very good one anymore but uh one time i had a good week i think luke um so but as bracket racers we're pretty conditioned to think that the sport is just for the competitors like it's not really a spectator sport but i just i i kind of want to challenge you to think like what if it was like what if it was a spectator event and the only you know the way it can be is if you have skin in the game. There's this fan interaction where you can, uh, you know, you can really go, oh, that's my car in the right lane. And it's, 
and it's, you know, you're really involved with the game through a fan interaction standpoint. Um, if we had more fans and I'm not saying we're ever going to be the NFL, that's not what I'm saying, but if it was more interactive and there were more fans involved with bracket racing, think about it. What could be, we were just at, uh, the TV promotions, um, hundred K event in Bowling Green. Great event. I mean, paid out very well, like, but the racers paid for it. The racers paid, uh, what I think are, you know, I mean, it was a good payout, but I'm not making any commentary about what the buy-in is, but it's not cheap. It's yeah, not, a that's, cheap that's the model. Right. Right. And if the stands at Bowling Green were packed, then it would be a cheaper buy-in. It, it would. Um, and truthfully, I get pretty upset. I, I'm, not upset, but I don't like the fact that we were in Bowling Green. A couple miles down the road, you know, in Lexington, the Kentucky Derby was going off that Saturday. Millions of people were dialed in to watch some animals run around in circles. If the sport of drag racing had legalized gaming instead of horse racing, nobody would watch the animals run around in circles. Not one person would go, oh, isn't that great? Let's let's go to Churchill Downs and watch the animals run around in circles. It's a good they point. If a rip, and we would have all those millions of viewers, and you know, that horse won a million dollars, Luke. I mean, the, the horse did. There's no human interest story with a horse, so it's not that. It's not that, oh, we really get to love and know these horses. And so that's why we bet on them. No, we only we only watch it because we can bet on them. That's it. And so we've got this tremendous opportunity in the fact that we have a sport that is ready made for gaming. We have a legal environment that is changing and coming our way. Like there are 37 states today that have approved legalized sports gaming and they all have little tweaks here and there. So it's not standardized, but it little tweaks. Um, so it's, you know, we've got 12 more States to go. Ultimately, uh, Utah will probably never get there. Let's be honest with they, they will, they will probably never get there and that's okay. That's, you know, that's fine. Um, but we're still missing Florida, Texas, and California. Those three States are a third of the U S population. So we're still at the very, very beginning stages of this. And when we do, like the opportunity is huge for, for us. I mean, it really is because uh, we have what I like to call the slot machine of sports gaming, right? We have, the, we have an opportunity to place another wager every 45 seconds. Another pair of cars go down every 45 seconds. Boom. It's simple. It's right lane, left lane. We can make it as complicated as we want. We could put parlays on reaction time and mile per hour and, you know, breakouts and stuff. We could put some really interesting stuff together, but in its simplest form, it is right lane or left lane every 45 seconds. And if you walk into a casino, 80% of the casino is slot machines. Like that, that's what it is. It is a low barrier of entry to understand how to win, like to understand the game regulations. Baccarat is is a high barrier of entry, right? Like you got to really understand the rules and you got to do all kinds of, you know, you're going to lose a lot of money before you understand why you lost that money. Uh, but the slot machine's pretty easy, right? Put the quarter in, 
you either win or lose. And, and we've got that opportunity with us. And so from our standpoint, I couldn't be more excited in that, you know, we're just going through the process. We have to get people to download and play. Um, but we've got this huge opportunity. And so I, I really appreciate the people so far that have embraced us. It's interesting to think about you, you've breached this idea of, Hey, ultimately each of these 400 facilities could be a, their own mini casino, right? Can you imagine the pushback that you get on that idea 30 years ago? And the reason being, and, and you'd be best to, so to speak on this, is it simply because of this added legislation? Like there was a time when gambling was a thing that happened in Las Vegas, it happened in Atlantic City, or it happened in this seedy underground that, that most of us didn't want to be involved with. And over the course of, I don't know, the last decade, it has seemed to become much more mainstream, or maybe the people that were doing it all along are just more comfortable letting everyone know that they're doing it. Is that simply a result of this change in legislation, or is there more to it than that? Well, you're correct in saying that like you and I, if we wanted to place a, a bet when we were growing up or even young men, we had to go to a barbershop or a, a pool hall or something like that. That is not the case anymore. Um, and I make this case quite often. Um, and before I get to that, I probably should tell you, Gary's VIP card is on the way. So um, he's his Players Cub card is is on the way. He's a big fan. And uh, my, by my account, if we were playing for real money, would probably have seven or eight hundred dollars on his ledger right now. So um, the the point with that is that you take the average 16 year old in this country. Right. They they, they understand everything A is on their phone. B they can bet on everything. They know that it's not legal for them to bet, but they know that the FanDuel's DraftKings, as soon as they turn 21, it's available for them. It is everywhere. If, and this is um, the urgency that I see, this is the urgency that I see for our sport, is that if those 16-year-olds turn 21 and we can't bet on racing, they're, they're either going to think, A, it's fake, because they can bet on every, they're going to think it's WWE because they can already bet on everything. There's, I mean, they can bet on the Oscars. They can bet on, I mean, you name it, what they can, it's, you know, ping pong, all kinds of stuff like that, but they can't bet on racing, which is in my mind criminal. But the, the thing with that is when they turn 21, they're either going to think, A, it's fake, or they're going to think, well, nobody cares about it at all. So why should I? That, that's really the answer, right? So um, it's different. It's a different world than what you and I grew up in. We were probably told growing up that, hey, you know, be real careful. You know, you shouldn't be gambling. If, a guy, if we knew a known gambler, we'd go, ooh, he's kind of shady, whatever. I mean, it, you know, we know that now not to be the case. I wish, actually, I had been, you know, I wish I had known earlier in my life that truly everything is a gamble. Like there really is no such thing as uh, not gambling in life. I mean, we, we get up, we drive to work. That's a gamble. You know, if we, it really truly is, you know, putting money in a bank is a gamble. Working for someone is a gamble that everything is risk in life. So I wish, I wish that had been made more clear to me probably as a young man and um, that's okay. But 
but I think kids get it now. I think kids are really hyper aware of that. That's an interesting point of just like we've, our culture is turned in such a way that if it's not something that's being wagered upon, it, it is, it, I think it does question the validity of it. Like how important is this if no one cares enough to bet on it? Right. Because it's, it's everywhere. And, and to, to your grander point, at least with with our audience here within sportsman drag racing, I can't imagine you're going to get much moral pushback on the idea of gambling and wagering. I mean, uh, our listeners are racers. Like, I think it's hard to argue that what we do is not some form of gambling, right? So this seems right in line. Specific to what you've built today, like I have the Winlight Bets app. If I'm going to be completely transparent, I haven't played it in real time. The the Thankfully, the the two races that I was super interested in, I was involved in, right? So I didn't necessarily have the uh, the opportunity to sit back in real time and see how it works. For those that have not downloaded the, downloaded the app or are like me and have it and haven't necessarily played along, walk me through a Cliff's Notes version. How, how does it work? Yeah. So first of all, if you haven't downloaded the app, please do. It's it's in your um, app store. Just type in Winlight. It'll come up. The big red W will come up. It's free to download. Um, additionally, it's free to play, right? So th- that's our model today is that it is free to play, meaning that um, the game is really simple. The, the game is you start with 100 points in your wallet. So when you download and you create a nickname, so Luke, were you able to create a nickname in, in there? Um, On Winlight Bets, I believe I am Cool Hand One. <laughs> okay, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. So you you will create a nickname um, and then that will give you 100 points in the wallet. Now, so just for our listeners, there are three pages of the app. There's a middle, left, and right. So if you go immediately to the left, there are these bonus um, points there. So you can, for instance, maybe Mosier is in there. You click on their link, you can go to their website. When you come back out of that, now you have 200 points in your wallet. It gives so that that whole area gives you a bonus area. If you invite your friends to play and they download it, you can get points for that. So that all goes to your wallet, so you have more funds to play the game with. Um, that was that's the left page. On the right page, that's the leaderboard. That's where you go and you'll see Cool Hand One going up or down the leaderboard depending on whether you are predicting correctly or incorrectly. Um, the number one person at the end of our games. Uh, gets 500 or a thousand bucks, depending on what, how big the event is, but um, we, you know, we pay a minimum of $500 to win. Um, the top three people then get customized win light gear, might be customized hoodie, might be customized t-shirt, hats, whatever it might be. And then the top 10, I'll get win light t-shirts. So that's that. So it's free to play, but there's real money prizes from that standpoint. Um, the gameplay then is, um, let's let's take for example TV promotions. So that was our most recent event that wasn't rained out. Um, what we did for the first we we played in a game during the 100k race, right? That was that was that was how we did that. Okay. The first couple rounds were all uh, prop bets. So the quest the first very first question was over under how long was the national anthem, right? That's pretty okay. standard prop bet type thing. What would just just give me a, a a frame of reference here? What is your average length of time for the national anthem? 
I think usually we set it at 117 and a half seconds. That's okay. usually over under. Now, I will tell you, we were at the national event in Vegas, the four wide, and we we set it up. And so we missed a little bit on this, but, uh, you know, it happens. But uh, we said, okay, 117 and a half seconds. And they rolled out a violinist who played the national anthem with a violin. And it was, you know, over three minutes long or something like that. And we were like, okay, well, uh, had we known maybe, but the point of the matter is those are all (laughs) bonus questions, right? The prop bets early are all bonus. So you can't lose on them. If you, if you don't get it right, you just don't get the points for that. Um, And so we set over unders, like how many red lights this round, right? um, Or how many double breakout passes are going to be this round? Set that over under it, whatever it might be. Um, I think we had a question on, you know, what was going to be the slowest dial in of the of the round, and what was going to be the quickest dial in of the round, and we put that over under. And so, just they're kind of these drag racing specific, you know, on track specific questions that are prop bets, just like you know you would if you were betting on the Super Bowl type stuff. So we give that same feel, but those are all bonus. Then what happened was when we got to the ladder. So once we had the ladder. And we knew it was, you know, uh, Bogaki versus whoever. Then, then in the app, we would say, you know, we. But if you were in the left lane, it would be, you know, Bogaki in the left lane, Summermaker in the right lane, and you could bet on that, and you could make your wager. You can, of course. Um, I don't think it would be, you know, out of line for a lot of people to, you know, consider you the heavy favorite, Luke. So, you know, you would get those you know all those questions uh, or answers from that standpoint uh, that was my next think, question is this just a 50 50 bet or yeah so the way it works is very much like course racing so it's pair mutual model meaning that let's let's take uh, let's say there are 10 betters they're only there you know, let's keep it real simple right there's only 10 betters if you and i are racing and two people bet on me right and eight people bet on you which is smart i'm want to know who those two people are actually but let's say you win those eight people split the money the the eight ways okay if i would win something you know someone had break and you i would win then the two people that bet on me would split the pot two ways so the upside is higher to bet on the underdog that's correct yeah that's so you know from that standpoint i don't have to set odds I don't have to go in and be a sharp before. I think it's a fool's errand in our sport. So um, it's very much paramutual and, but it is, you pick right lane, left lane, and then you can, it's like poker. You can, uh, you can go all in or you can pull your bet back depending on how confident you are. And then if you win or lose those points, either, you know, you get those points and you go up the leaderboard or you lose those points and, it's time to double down, I guess, on the next one. But once we have a ladder, then it's we can put it in the system, and you know we can put names and you know uh, lanes and all that stuff. And if you're watching at home, then it's you know it makes it more exciting. And we actually just did a, a recent update to the app, so as long as we can get feed in most places, we're going to have the video actually on the app from now on. So. So you won't even have to go to Motor Mania or whatever. It'll be 
It'll be gotcha. Right so as it is now, it's almost a, a two-step process. You're watching at home on some type of live feed, and then you've got the app in hand feeding off. That's, of that. gotcha. that's correct. And, mm-hmm. and so that's called the second screen, and that is very valuable. That's kind of what everybody is going to. I mean, I think I think ultimately, and I don't know how long we're away from this, but ultimately, even movies will have some interactive form that'll be uh, second. Mm second screen type thing. So, wow. you know, that's, but, um, and we have to work this out with every streaming provider, but, um, but we do have the ability now to put the screen or put the race right on our screen in the middle of the, you know, the middle of the app, which is very cool. We're excited about that tech because um, we just think it's one more way to get the fans closer to the action. No doubt. And if I'm playing along, obviously this contest is just for the duration of this event. And whoever accumulates yeah. the most points at the end of the event ends up atop the leaderboard, gets the prize, and you said prizes beyond the winner. That's right. It's like, for instance, we were in Vegas. We played a game on Friday night. We played a game in Q2. And so what we did was we said, okay, it's Q2. Um, you know, will the bump spot get lower this, this session? Right. And we did it for top fuel and funny car and pro stock. And we go, okay, is, um, you know, is the bump spot going to get lowered? Is the mile, is anybody going to run over the current top mile per hour? Um, You know, will anybody knock down the cones, you know, like, I mean, just (laughs) things like that during that session, we did that and we did Q2 and then we did the same thing on Q2 for Saturday night. And then we did a, a, a game for the race. And so we try to, to break it up and, run a contest every night during an event that we're at is what we try to do. That makes sense. And I guess my common assumption, and I I would think the common assumption of our listeners is that at the NHRA national event with fan participation, like I would assume that that's your, the, the, the most participation that you've had on the app. And then I think about the audience for live feed at big dollar bracket races. And I think there's, is anything to this point, and I know you're, you're pretty early on in the process. Has anything to this point surprised you in a positive or negative manner, as far as the fan interaction or the user interaction element of it? The the users have loved it. I mean, they have absolutely loved it. The only complaint we get once people download it is when are we going to get to bet real money? I mean, that's been the major complaint and I'll listen to Truthfully, I will listen to any other complaint. I, I really will because we want to make it better. We want to make it the best. I'm, you know, listen, I, I want to hear reasonably. I want to hear all the complaints, right? Um, but um, to make it better. But our complaints so far have been mostly like, when are we going to get to bet real money? Which is uh, the answer to that question is, uh, is really the more downloads we can get. So, for all the listeners, if you've already downloaded, invite one of your friends that you just is remotely interested in drag racing. Tell them to download because what happens is when we go to these states, we we go to the state and we say, "Hey, we'd like you to legalize sports betting for drag racing." And they say, "Great, we know nothing about it." And they said, "So, for us to legalize it, we will have to hire let's call it seven full time employees to audit you." to make sure Rex that you are not laundering a bunch of money. I mean, ultimately that's it from a state level. And so we say, okay. And they say, can you prove that you can pay for these seven employees through a tax base of users? 
And from that standpoint, the only way I can prove it, and that you know, just talking through it isn't going to do it. The only way I can prove it is to say, yes, I have a user base of it's called a hundred thousand people that are playing this regularly. We know that there's a rate that when we go from free to play to real money, it's not a hundred percent conversion. There's a standard industry conversion that goes across. And at that point, then we go, okay, this is how many people are, would bet real money if given the opportunity. Here's how much their average bet is. Here's what the tax base from that would be. And this would pay for, let's call it five of their employees. And they go, great, come back when you have more, you know, X amount of users and you can pay for all seven and then we'll approve it. And that that's the, the conversation. Um, and that's the process in each individual state that you want to participate in. That's correct. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily a, a fun process, but it is. Uh, <laughs> it it is. Um, it's important, so I'm happy to do it. Um, I will tell you. You asked me what was something I caught off guard. I I literally, and I, I'm I'm no genius, so I, I just thought though when people saw a big red W with a Christmas tree in it, and it with a name like Winlight Bets, I just assumed everybody would go, oh. We can, this is a betting app, right? We can bet on drag racing. Not exactly the case. Uh, I've, I've had to do a lot of instruction. Um, and so uh, it, it's fine. And, you know, what I learned is we needed a tag long. So we've, we've added, you know, drag racing sports book. That's, you know, Winlight Bets, drag racing sports book. And I think that helps clarify some of those things. But it was just an error on my part, not, not anybody else's uh, fault that, they didn't subliminally get the message I was sending to them. So, uh, you know, we'll get better is my point. Okay. So we've talked about the incoming vision, the broad vision. We talked about the, the app in its current form. And obviously the direction that you want to ultimately go is, is real time gaming, real sure. skins in the game, money on the line. What is, what does this look like in a, in a perfect world three, five, 10 years from now? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. And we, we've been very fortunate in that um, to a man, any, you know, there, as you know, there are essentially three major timing systems that, you know, we use worldwide. Um, all three of those organizations have been very adamant that they will be helpful in automating our process when it comes time to do that. So, you know, our ultimate goal is to have, uh, you know, we think five years from now, every, you know, we'll have 49 states approved legally. That, that will be a thing. That will be all right. And then we have every, we'll have, you know, legalized betting at every track in the United States outside of Utah. So that'll be, you know, maybe they'll surprise us, but we, we think we have a real strong process to, automate this thing as well when it comes time. I mean, that's a pretty significant capital outlay. So, you know, there, there are some things that have to happen in the meantime, but our sport is very much uh, driven by data. And this was a conversation I had with um, Glenn Cromwell not too long ago. I said, you know, our, our sport has been unbelievable in adapting technology. If you think about it, like the, from technology standpoint, and Luke, uh, this is probably a good time for me to tell our listeners that, you know, your and I relationship had been a little strained here this last couple of years because um, 
your Salukis have been beating the brakes off my aces. It's not unique to my Salukis. Everyone's been beating <laughs> well, the brakes off. Okay. For those Sorry. of you that don't know, Rex, Rex actually in a in a I don't want to say in a prior life, like Rex was a a, a walk on, but a Division One NCAA college basketball player, yep. in at University of Evansville, which happens to be in the same conference as my beloved Salukis. So that that was that was some of the foundation for our friendship. But obviously, it's been a little bit strained given the the lack of success from your Purple Aces in recent years. It's been rough, Luke, but um, I'm, <laughs> I'm optimistic that uh, the games will be closer moving forward. So uh, <laughs> excited about that. Um, I say that to say this: our sport has really embrace technology, right? Um, in the college basketball world, they're just now getting to where they are analyzing and using tech to, to uh, implement that data into um, actions on the court. We've been doing that for years, right? The race packs in, uh, of the world have been giving us data for years. What we have not done is use that same technology to make the fan in uh, a better experience for the fan. Like that's where we've missed out. Like it's not the racers. They're not using technology. We're using a bunch of it. It's um, from a, from a, uh, maybe an association side, maybe from just a, from the spectator side, we're not utilizing that tech the way we can. Um, you know, I, there's, there's lots of things we can do. And this is, Win Life Bets is just one of the things we can do, utilizing tech to make the fan experience much better in, in terms of, you know, watching the race. And so that was just a conversation I had with, with Glenn. And he was very, I mean, he, he got it. He was a very smart guy and he was receptive to it. And, and so, you know, we're having ongoing conversations to try to try to make this a better experience from the fan standpoint. I mean, I would, I would probably say that um, a lot of our listeners are probably like you and I, Luke, not great spectators, right? We're, we're, not, we're not great spectators. Um, but part of that is because we don't get to dig into the data uh, like we do as competitors. Sure. And so there's, there's some things that we really feel like we will be able to do for the sport that are not, not even connected with sports betting that will just make the experience better. Yeah, I never completely even thought about this from that angle. Like if you're going to have a vested interest in something, it makes sense that you would make yourself knowledgeable on it. And obviously a more knowledgeable fan is a more engaged fan. A more engaged fan is more likely to to follow, to to attend, to spend whatever the case may be. Like that that's a that that may be the best argument for bringing um, game gaming into, you know, a sport like ours in general, that's, uh, an interesting thought process to go down. Now, let me bring up the, and, and granted, this is probably rightfully one of the farthest things from your mind at this point, because I know that there are a lot of hurdles to clear before, before you get to where you ultimately want to go. But if, and when we do reach a point where, money is is changing hands on on when light bets i think the inherent um um concern maybe among racers is like at, when this reaches a point and you'd think inevitably at some point it would where 
it, it would be conceivable for a racer to somehow benefit more from losing a round of competition than from winning a round of competition. Obviously, that opens Pandora's box. What sure. are your initial thoughts in terms of how does that get mitigated? How does that get incorporated? Like that's the one side of this that no one wants to see, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a great question. Happy to answer it. I'm glad you brought it up because here's what I will tell you. Um, I understand that I have a great responsibility to our sports as well. I, I know that you, you and I talk off here about there being this window of opportunity um, for for us, for a lot of people um, to, to usher in sports gaming to our sport. That said, if we do it wrong, if I do it wrong, I screw up somehow and people are throwing races um, and I scar this thing, it, it'll be decades before somebody tries again. And you and I already talked about it, how in five years from now, if this thing isn't up and running, people will either think it's fake or it's not worth watching or not worth investing in. So I'm, it's not blind to me the fact that I have a great responsibility. To, to do this thing, not only quickly, but correctly. So um, I, I know that going in. And so one of the things we can do, and so this is all, again, relates back to tech. So we couldn't do this 10 years ago, maybe, or 20 years ago, certainly, right? And we, we probably all, if we're thinking back, there are probably a few racetracks that were taking betting booths, right? There, there are a few tracks out there would actually have betting booths and you could go, you know, put your wager in just like, you know, um, but that was all susceptible. What is not susceptible is online. So I, I mentioned the fact that we do this paramutual model. So we can actually limit bets based on the total handle. So you as a racer or an uncle or a friend of said racer would have no idea what the total handle for that race would be. And let's say, you know, the other thing is we, we know your average bet size. I mean, we, we know, know that from the data that comes through. So if you're a guy who bets uh, 50 bucks a night and has for the last, you know, six months or whatever, and you roll in and you bet $4,000 that night, we're going to go, wait a second, this is all red flag. Mm -hmm. Additionally, if there's only $4,000 in the handle and you bet $4,000, we can just say, no, we don't accept that bet because, but you wouldn't as a better know how much is in the handle already. So we can limit the handle so that there's no possible way for you to say, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to over bet it and then I'm going to lose the race. I'm going to take it from, you know, I'm just going to guarantee myself 4,000 and, you know, I'm going to bet 4,000, I'm going 4,200, you know, that, that type of stuff we, we can, manage through with the tech that we have available now, but it, it wasn't available five years ago or 10 years ago, but it is today. So that that's the answer that is a, I know we have big responsibility, but B um, there, there are tools to use. So we're not, we're not really sweating that either. Now that's, I've said this, I know Jed and Mark and I have talked about this off the air. I don't know that we've necessarily had the the conversation on the podcast, but, and I'm not here to, to our listeners, like to, to advocate for, for Rex or when like that's obviously we've got a relationship. He's a buddy of mine, but I, I think most of us in hearing that Rex as racers can say like, 
uh, well, I'll just, I won't even speak for anyone else. I'll just speak for myself. Like I'm, I think that what you're doing on some level is inevitable. Like there's going to be a, an infiltration, if you will, of, of, of betting in our market. And the fact that you as a racer are leading the charge into that, like makes me feel a whole lot better about it than if it was big business coming in. You know what I mean? Be because I know that you've got the the sport's best interest at stake. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. I mean, because that that's really where I go with that. I mean, I've, you know, I, I mentioned I was in corporate banking for a long time. I watched roll-ups happen and kind of just destroy the culture of whatever they were bought. You know, they, they, these companies, these big companies come in they go, Oh, we're going to buy this small company because what they do is really great. And then they wipe out all the stuff that they did that was really great. And so um, I, 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 I'm nervous with that if if anybody would make a deal with FanDuel or DraftKings or something like that uh, because those guys would they don't know a thing about our sport they they really truly don't um, they just look at the dollar and they would go oh we don't care and they would pull out in a heartbeat if if they didn't like it and um, that that would be bad for us that's all it would be bad. All right, good stuff, Rex. So all the way around, uh, the biggest thing that that we can do right now is download the app, get that strength in numbers, begin playing along. Do you have clarity on what the next event will be yet, or just stay tuned on that? Yeah, so we've we've got some exciting stuff um, negotiating that stuff now. But if you go to the app, it has a schedule section, mm -hmm. and so you can play along. And we're working on a notification um, side of that as well. And in a VIP section for Gary. So that's good too. We can get that in. And, Rex uh, keeps referring to, to my son, Gary. My, Gary is the, uh, the, the uh, customer is not the right word. Like if there's one person in your booth at the events that you've been more than any, it might be my son. Potentially. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say this, uh, and uh, maybe this is a good time. So part of what we have in the tent when we show up is what we call the drag race themed casino, right? So we have we have um, practice tree, which is you know almost mandatory for a drag racing event, and and people love the practice tree, and that's great. Uh, but we've also created this uh, drag race themed uh, craps table, and which which is really fun for the kids. I mean, it's fun for the adults too. Trust me, um, I've seen lots of fun from the adult side, but the kids seem to love it. Gary obviously did, and. Um, as a sidebar, it's something I never would have thought I would have ever gotten myself into because this is not really how I roll. But um, Winlight Bets will be, or it won't be called Winlight Bets, it'll just call Winlight the board game. But we're creating the first drag race themed board game. Oh. So, so that what Gary is playing in real life will be, uh, there'll be a take home version of that. Um, we, we expect that to be out in the fall. And then uh, we, assuming that goes the way it wants, we'll tweak it a little bit and then we'll have it in Amazon and target and all that stuff next Christmas. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, but it's good time. We're adding more stuff to the, to the drag race theme casino as we speak. So if you've been already and you go, Oh, I've been there, done that. You got to come back because we've got more stuff and it's, it's going to be even better. Because we touched on it last episode, tell me a little bit about the Winlight Bets girls. Take me through your your 
your take on the episode at uh, at, at Beach Bend because obviously that probably got you know, it might not be a bad thing at this point that that probably got you more publicity than than anything you've done to this point completely uh, <laughs> without trying right. Wow. Um, so yeah, what we've we've done is I'm I'm very cognizant that that most people at the racetrack will pay more attention to uh, a windlight girl, you know, dressed up in the the windlight outfit than Fair. me. Very uh, aware of that. Okay. Uh, so we we've got a a great group of girls that come uh, to each one of our events, and they are our brand ambassadors and they help people download the app and they teach them how to play the craps game and, and do all this stuff. And then in addition to that, then we have them uh, hold placards that when they walk around the Christmas tree, essentially before each round saying, Hey, this is the quarterfinal round. Um, or this is the final round, you know, or this, you know, this is the finals for, you know, we're at spring Point million and, you know, there's, it, it, you know, it's a big deal. Obviously as a racer, you understand what's going on. But to have a little more pomp and circumstance around that, I think is good. So we we do that as well when we come to this. So, and it turns out um, one of the girls uh, who has been around drag racing quite a bit, actually, she grew up, she's the most experienced drag racer that we've had any of these girls show up. Um, she got, I guess, distracted, excited, something. Um, but the timing was a little off. I, I take complete responsibility. This was not Tyler uh, or Brian's issue. This was not Beach Ben's issue. This was this was me. But the way um, the driver came down was just a little bit different. I sent her, and she just took a little bit too much time. She was so excited, but she almost got ran over by a dragster doing a burnout. Long the, story short. <laughs> My goodness gracious, my life flashed before my eyes. Um, I think a lot of people's did. Uh, she did not flinch, Luke. You can go on the Double O Shit Show to watch that. She did not flinch. And uh, and I, I'm forgetting the young man's name now. I think it's Connor. Uh, he he literally swerved and uh, and went around her and and was a pro like a total pro he just poof, swerved went around it backed up staged it up you know like he was like no no, no that was my fault i should have looked up like um so we've had a long talk with her um I, I had a discussion about not dying on the racetrack that's that's <laughs> something we don't want her to do and um and this it is wasn't so easy to laugh about now obviously oh yeah a, a much different uh turn but yeah right Oh yeah, and if you if you watch the video, you can see me losing my mind in the back, like running, screaming, like what is going on there? Because I, um, bad news. That was not good. I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud of it at all. And um, so you know, we've upped our protocols with that, so that does not happen again. And you know, that's that was probably a little unique to that situation, just from the way. Um, the, the way that round came down, obviously, we you know, in a lot of other events, there's a little more time and, and you know, uh, the starter might say something or stop somebody or whatever. But um, it just was a, yeah, it could have been very, very bad, Luke. We're laughing about it now. Thank goodness. Uh, but uh, the Windlight girls will still be there. Um, we're not going to put them in, you know, uh, shoulder pads or helmets or anything like that. But we've got to get them 
to take a look and make sure they don't walk out in front of drags or doing a burnout because uh, yeah, that, that can't happen. We need it. We need a camp. One light, one light girl, one oh one something. Oh like my goodness gracious. Yeah. I'm sure we'd have a few volunteers from the audience. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think I could leave yeah. that. <laughs> a volunteer to teach the Winlight girls how to walk around, just you know, tell Luke, he'll he'll pass your name along. Good stuff. It, we, we we just feel like it's um, you know, we have a we're not unaware that um, we have a brand. So, you know, we're, we're happy to, happy to foster the party a little bit and uh, that's okay. And have a little showmanship to this thing. I think it's, we don't feel like we're, we have to be the champion of that uh, for all of drag racing, but when we're there, we're going to do what we can to help the cause. Yeah. And I, I would say as a racer, it doesn't feel like there is any element of when light bets trying to steal the show. It is more when light bets augmenting the show. And obviously that's what you're going for. Yeah, that's very important to us. I mean, you, these promoters have worked hard to mm -hmm. to put their events together and do it the way they want to do it. So, you know, we we don't run any part of the the show. I mean, and it's and that's part of sports gaming too is that we're mm -hmm. not involved with the organization at, at all. Like we're just ancillary to the to how the event is run. So we we want to be very cognizant of that. But we're there. The girls are there. Um, you know, they they don't mind it. Uh, I don't think anybody else minds it except for maybe one dragster driver and then uh, everything else is good. Yeah. Rex, good stuff, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks for shedding a little bit of light on what you've built and are building with Winlight Bets. Um, like I said, thank you for your your commitment. I know that this is um, this is not a, been a small undertaking on your part at all. I think uh, I can only begin to imagine what you've been through in the last year and what you'll go through in the, in the years to come to make this uh, ultimately fulfill your vision. But uh, it's pretty cool stuff and really appreciate you taking some time to tell us more about it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, I, I you know, in the same regard, I appreciate you giving me a platform to speak to, to your followers. And I would just ask them to, you know, go to the Facebook page, um, Instagram page, TikTok page, Twitter page, whatever, follow those and then download the app, cost you nothing. Uh, and then if you have questions, if you go, oh, well, I download now what? It's a Tuesday. There's no race going on. Uh, then, you know, send us a message. We're happy to respond. We're, we're always responding to that. And we want this to be a good thing for everybody. Good stuff. Thank you, Rex. Thanks brother. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling 
of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.